Hi, welcome to the Grief Awakening Podcast. My name is Elise Duzo, and I'm a grief coach and Reiki practitioner here in Nashville, Tennessee. I help guide others who are grieving to reignite their relationships with their loved ones on the other side, helping them ease the ache of grief. This is a podcast where we can have open conversations about grief and loss, mediumship, science, and I'll even tell you my story as a young widow. If you like this episode, don't forget to hit that follow button. And if you'd like to reach out to me, feel free to give me a follow on Instagram and intuitively underscore Elise. Enjoy the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Grief Awakening podcast. How are you all? I cannot believe we're already in the middle of July. What? This is crazy. Um, it was a great week so far. Super busy. We celebrated my nephew Max's fifth birthday. I cannot believe he's five. He's the coolest little kid. He is a lover of all things Super Mario Brothers right now, which just warms my heart because Jared and I, that was something we shared a love for. Jared and his brothers always loved growing up playing classic Nintendo, and um, Jared taught me all the things <laughs> about everything in that world, and to see Max love it so much and just light up makes just warms my heart. It makes me feel close to him. Um, and so I was so excited to give him his gift. I got him a Super Mario chess set. Yep, that exists. All the little chess pieces are Super Mario characters, and he was so insanely excited We when we, he opened it, we immediately set it up and started playing. Although because he's five, we don't really play like a legitimate game of chess, but it's still really fun. Anyway, back to this week's episode. I'm going to introduce you to this week's guest in just a moment. But before I do, I wanted to tell this really quick story. So last year I was scrolling on Instagram as I do. And this account was suggested to me called Welkin Memorials. And I clicked on it because I was intrigued by the beautiful logo and the pretty um, aesthetic of the page. And to my surprise, this company actually made ceramic urns that double as vases. And I know this is really taboo and weird to talk about, but it's something that so many of us have had to deal with, to shop for, to plan with, and there just are not a lot of cute options, options on the market. So when I saw this company and I thought, wow, how cool that they are making this beautiful piece that also doubles as a vase where you can put dried flowers in it, um, really like show it off on your table or mantle or wherever you want in your home. And I knew that eventually I'd probably want to purchase something from this company, but at the time, the size of urn that they offered was a little bit too big for what I probably would have needed since I just have a very small portion of my partner's remains. And so I kind of set it aside and saved the account, (laughs) kind of like a note for myself for later. And I thought to myself, it'd be really cool to work with that company one day. Maybe, Maybe in the future, somehow we can partner together. And to my surprise, several months later, I got an email from the lovely Kate Anderson, who is the owner and founder of Welkin Memorials. And she had written me to talk about potential partnership and working together. And 
I invited her to come on the podcast because I just love what her company is doing and I really wanted to hear her story because I know that so many of you have gone through this process. It's not fun. It's something taboo we don't talk about and I really think it's important to kind of put these conversations out there for people who have not gone through this yet so that they know that there's other options out there and they don't have to settle for what's available to them at an old stinky funeral home. (laughs) So I was so excited to talk to Kate. I feel like I manifested this partnership, this conversation, and I'm all about what this company's doing. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Kate. We're going to talk about her business. We're going to talk about the beautiful vases that they make. And we're going to talk about her father and losing him and how that inspired her to start Welkin Memorials. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and stay tuned for the end for a special little announcement, a gift for you guys if you'd like to um, purchase from Welkin. Okay, I hope you enjoy the show. Without further ado, this is my conversation with Kate Anderson. Okay, Kate, it's so good to have you on the podcast. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited you're here. Um, So I've done a little intro before you hopped on, but I was hoping that you could kind of just start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Maybe if you'd like the space to, you're welcome to tell us about your dad and kind of what happened there and what it was like planning, taking care of everything for him, moving into that space of preparing his memorial and Kind of how you got started doing what you're doing now at Welkin. Yeah. So I'm Kate, uh, founder of Welkin Memorials. I'm from Arizona, but I currently live in New York City. Um, My father passed away suddenly a week before my 22nd birthday. And I was left as the next of kin to navigate that world of funeral funeral planning on my own. Um, Beyond the laundry list of to-dos, I really wanted to plan a celebration of life that would encompass his personality. Um, He loved being outdoors. He loved fishing and everything of the sort. And so to me, it was really important to be able to plan something that felt more of like a celebration because he, he did leave us so early in um, his life. And with that, it was incredibly hard to navigate um, one, never knowing what the laundry list consisted of and two, trying to plan it in a too short timeline. Um, you know, because you're trying to plan things um, within, you know, very short amount of days and um, to do something outside and f- that felt like reflected him and then to find an urn that I felt like reflected him and my own aesthetic was nearly impossible. Um, this The funeral ended up being indoors um, just because of all the regulations and permits needed. Um, and I did the best that I could, but I, I still didn't feel satisfied with what I was presented with within the funeral home. Um, everything was I was being like nickel and dimed and upsold and choosing options, but they were really outdated. And the, the urn we ended up choosing um, just for the sake of the service was like a metal urn. It had like ducts etched across it. And um, it just didn't feel like him or myself. Like he, if he would have seen it, he'd been like, this thing is really ugly. Thank Katie. You mm-hmm. couldn't have picked something better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, that was all I was presented with in the time. And so um 
following that, I I kept his remains actually in an old ammo box, like a vintage ammo, ammo box of his next to my sofa because I felt like, okay, this is something that he had in his home. And like, I think it's pretty cool and it matches with my aesthetic. Um, I'm, I have a very eclectic style. And I also, it was important to me being so young that I could have friends and family over and have them over for drinks or for dinner. And it wasn't like this eyesore or this conversation starter that was, you know, um, an uncomfortable one. Like I wanted people to be able to come over and I knew this thing had a meeting behind it, but to the average eye um, was just like another piece in my home. Um, and so I didn't know how I was going to improve upon the experience because I didn't know like, okay, just is it event planning in the funeral space? Is it something around the product? You know, I wasn't really sure. And I was just starting my career in general. So I wasn't, I didn't really know how to do any of that. And so I kind of sat on that idea for quite a few years and fast forward. And I found myself as a product developer at a digitally native company. Um, They were very disruptive and they always encouraged us to consider, you know, areas of our life that we felt could use disrupting and how we could like make a change. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was reading a book and it said, start with what you know, and I knew product. And I knew that I still didn't have an urn. Multiple years had passed and I wanted one. So I also, I like looked around my studio apartment at the time and, you know, envisioned like, what would I want in my home? Cause I can't be the only one that feels like this. Um, and I knew that I wanted something functional, obviously that was aesthetically pleasing. I didn't want the piece to just be a box that you like the ammo box that I had. I wanted it to actually like fulfill the purpose and, um, you know, be something that you could put in your home and be proud to display. And so that's kind of how I came upon the vase idea. I had a few like ceramic pieces around my home that looked similarly, but, you know, didn't actually have like the urn function. And so that's how I decided on that. And then it was the the big selling point for me was it's not a one size fits all anymore. Like it used to be there was just one urn size and, you know, that was that. And they're t- typically pretty oversized um, to accommodate for, you know, the vast majority of people. But a lot of days now, um, similar to your story, you receive like a small portion of the remains because other family members and close loved ones receive the other portions as well. Or for me, I received a portion, but I also wanted to spread like a lot of my ashes. My dad and I never got to travel and he never even traveled like internationally. Um, And international travel is like a big part of who I am. And so I wanted to bring him on those travels and like spread a little remains here and there. But getting rid of them all felt incredibly committal. And so I wanted to be able to memorialize him in my home as well. And so I didn't need that oversized urn. I wanted something smaller and like more quaint. And that was really like the business model for me. Um, we didn't launch with that small size. We launched with the medium just to accommodate most people. But we just recently launched the small at the beginning of this year. So now we have two sizes, each in two colorways. And, you know, we work to make the tough times just a little bit easier through like our considered packaging, fast and free shipping, um, unlimited warranty and free returns. So that way it, it hopefully makes the, the decision a little bit easier for everyone else. Yeah. As you were talking, I was kind of taken back to that moment when I remember like sitting at the cremation office with my mother-in-law and seeing all the options up on the wall. They had them all displayed in this conference room. Mm-hmm. And I remember they had, my mother-in-law had already picked one out kind of, to be honest, without even asking yeah. my opinion. And, um, and I remember looking at all the options and being like, oh my gosh, like I don't feel connected to any of these, you know, like crazy engravings or like some of them had like Asian influence, like a lot of different things, nothing beautiful, 
to be honest, that like you, I would want in my home. Yeah. And so like your story, like I totally resonate with that. When did you get into product development or how did you even know that you wanted to do something like that? I feel like that's such a niche (laughs) thing to go into after college. What did that, what did that look like? Yeah. So I actually can't even take credit for it. Um, I started my career as a spearheading our loyalty marketing team. Um, And through that, we had a gifting program. And this actually kind of ties back to my dad as well. Um, He was the biggest gift giver, like at his service, actually, people would come up and speak on his behalf. And like this one woman, I'd never met her before. Like my dad gave her a set of pearl earrings when she graduated from um, her associate's degree, because she was the first one to ever graduate. And he had worked, she had worked for him. And he knew how important this was. And he like gave her, she was like, this is the nicest piece of jewelry I've ever received. And like so many people said things like that. And he loved gift giving and I loved gift giving. And so um, when I was in college, I was a real estate agent. And when I was applying for my first, you know, out of call job, they asked what I like to make. And I said, gift boxes, like I make them for all my clients on their closings and all those things. And so they were like, we really want you to start our loyalty marketing program. And I was like, okay, that sounds fun. And a big component of that was gift boxes because we were selling mattresses and people were purchasing mattresses during major milestones in their lives. So getting married, having a baby, even getting divorced. Mm -hmm. And um, (laughs) so I was curating these gift boxes with other brands that aligned with ours and like doing some fun collabs. And I reported to the co-founder who also ran product development. He's like, you're making product-based decisions here, even though you don't realize it. And so that loyalty marketing team kind of got up and running on its own. And he was like, do you want to be a product developer? And I was like, I don't know how to do that, but sure, that sounds fun. Um, And so that's really how I got into it. And, you know, I was just able to use those skills over the course of the years that I was in that um, to know how to navigate, you know, finding a manufacturer, designing something um, to be able to share with them and the specs and knowing like what high quality materials were. I wasn't specific in the ceramic space by any means. So I just needed to really rely on finding a manufacturer who was um, very proficient in that industry. Wow. Okay. So it almost feels like you kind of fell into this, but like in the most perfect way. And I feel like that happens a lot in life with things that are like supposed to be our purpose. Like you, that's not typically, it's not the thing you went to school for. It's something that just like comes into your life over time. So I think that's really beautiful. Like, do you remember looking, if you can look back, like when your dad first passed, how soon after did you feel like I need to do something about this? Like, this seems something that needs to change. Like, I feel like that's a lot to take on when you're grieving. Yeah. I think it didn't really hit me because it, when it first happened, I I didn't even know where to start. Like, luckily my mom was able to help me, but they, they hadn't been together in years. And so I only wanted to rely on her for when I absolutely needed to. And, um, you know, all my friends and everything were also as, as young and celebrating graduation. Like I hadn't even graduated college yet. Mm. And so I think in the beginning, it was really just getting through all of that and figuring out like what it needed to be done. And I was also, you know, applying for jobs and figuring out what my next opportunity was. Um, But I knew that it it like wasn't right. And then when I joined that company that was disrupting, you know, something so traditional as well, I was like, well, why doesn't someone do this in this space? Like that is such a miss. Um, You know, yes, everybody needs mattresses, but people also like this is such a terrible time in people's lives and they need the best options out there and they need to be comforted and not like push down some channels um, just based on what that service is offering. Um, And they don't, and a lot of times I feel like they aren't changing the options because they quite frankly don't need to because people don't think about it in advance yet. 
they are working towards that. But in general, people don't want to talk about it and they don't want to think about it. And then the inevitable happens. And then what? Um, so I think, you know, it, it didn't just like come to me overnight necessarily. It was something that I sat on. I just didn't really know how to, to do my part in that process. Um, until, you know, all the pieces kind of came together from a product development standpoint, like starting with what, you know, and I think that's the most important mm. thing. Cause I started with product development because I knew how to create and earn. Right. But then I also wanted to do partnerships and find all the other outlets for people. So that way, if they came to my site first, they also have all the other resources that they need. I'm not an expert in those fields. I don't need to be an expert in those fields, but I want to navigate them and help them through that process. Like whether they come to my site for first or your site, like I hope that they find everything they need. So it just makes that process that much easier. Yeah. That's really beautiful that you were even able to like have that recognition during that time. Like this is something that I can improve. This is something that I can make better. I can use my skills that I'm learning and make something that actually I would enjoy having in my home and also helping other people who are going through that process that you unfortunately had to go through. Like, Looking back at it, like, why do you think, I mean, this could be a whole other podcast, but like, why do you think the funeral industry has these like certain standards of like how things should look or go or like even like pricing for things? I feel like most of us are like totally price gouged when we go into those places and you don't, you're so like in a state of shock. You're like, you'll just say yes to anything. I feel like, do you feel like people try to take advantage of that? I don't think that it's like intentionally out to take advantage of that, but as someone who is a marketer, like everybody is coming to them during these times of need. So they don't actually, they are not feeling any of the pressure to change, right? Because people aren't thinking about this in advance. They're coming to them when they say, okay, I have a week. And the, the team is like, okay, well in this week, this is what we can provide you with. If people start doing their research in advance and knowing what they want and the more creative, non-traditional outlets, and then are coming to them and saying, okay, I want to work with you, but these are the things that I want. Like, how can you make that happen? Then that's going to like make them kind of shift for the environmental change. It's kind of similar to mattresses in the sense that like, they used to go to the mattress store and pick out the mattress after you laid on it. And then direct to consumer started happening in the bo- the bed in the boxes. And then people mm-hmm. stopped going to those retail stores. And then those retail stores kind of had to shift and offer the direct to consumer brands within their company in order to continue to meet the customer where they were at because how the, the way that they were shopping for those things was changing. And so I think it's not that they... I mean, sure, they love the fact that they don't have to change, right? They've been, they're multi-generational companies that Mm -hmm. have been owned by family members for years and they don't want to have to change their product offering because that takes a lot of work and they're prioritizing, you know, fulfilling their customer base with what they have right now. And that right now works. But as soon as people start to consider in advance and start doing end of life planning. And there's so many companies out there assisting with that right now, whether that's, you know, developing a will and a trust in advance and, or just end of life planning in general, like how you want to be celebrated. As soon as people start doing that and that shift happens, I think that the options within those funeral homes will start to become more modern as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that too, like they, they know they're needed. Yeah. And that kind of ends there. They're like, people need this. We've got it. We don't need to change anything because people will buy no matter what until those little things like you're saying start to change. Like imagine if when we were all born, we just immediately got our end of life plan. Yeah. Like how incredible, like how different would things go, right? Yep. Do you feel like um, 
I know that he probably did, but do you feel like your dad had a hand in helping you create this beautiful business that you started? Yeah. So I was actually telling someone recently, like he was very entrepreneurial. He had, um, he was a franchisee owner. So he had multiple stores and he always encouraged me from as early as I can remember to be entrepreneurial in my own way. So for instance, I would save up all my allowance money and he was like, you can get gumball machines and put them in my stores and then you can have all the profits from them. And so I was like, okay. So I got one gumball machine with my allowance money. And then with that money, I like was able to buy more gumball machines and put them in his store. And so I think, you know, just having that with both my parents, they were both very entrepreneurial and very driven. I knew I've always wanted to have something, whether it's just the only something or it's just like, you know, one, like I have a couple different things running. Um, I always knew I wanted to have something of my own. Um, and I think that's also why pro- like why the urns really attracted me because there's nothing like producing something out of you know your need for it and your passion behind it and then seeing it go out in the world and other people appreciate it too. Um, so I think, yeah, he really did play a part in that because I don't know if I wouldn't, if he wouldn't have ingrained it in my upbringing as, as much as he did that I would have even really considered doing something on my own. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's so cool that you had that entrepreneurial spirit as a little kid. I love that yeah. story. Um, has do you feel like you have any sort of connection with him now? Has he has he shown you throughout this journey um signs or anything like that where he's like, I'm with you in this and supporting you? Like I know he I'm sure you know that he is, but has he shown up in that way at all for you? Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of been different as the years have gone on. Like in the beginning, I think it was, you know, really prominent in, in my dreams. Um, you know, there's always this one really reoccurring dream where like things would be going on in people's lives around me and my life. And for some reason, we were always like at a card display, like greeting cards. We were always selecting a card for something. And then he would tell me what he wanted me to write in that card. And it's a very interesting, kind of odd, dream, especially to be a reoccurring one, but it was always pretty different. Um, so that was what happened in the beginning. And now I think I, I experience it more like during my travels, if I, or if I'm like out at somewhere incredibly beautiful outside, I can like, it just feels a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't like pinpoint it or explain it necessarily. It just is like, there's like a sensation, I guess, behind it. And I, I I have to imagine something like that. Um, And yeah, I think, and sometimes when I just do simple stuff for Welkin that ends up being like really successful or um, just in general, I can just, I just know he would be so proud and he'd be like so excited about it. And he was really the reason like behind um, the the peach colored urn actually Mm. is like, he always loved like pink stuff, which is so weird because- I don't know, most middle-aged men, men don't. like white, <laughs> like pink. Um, but he he like loved it. And I mean, not just he didn't like wear pink or anything necessarily, but I think that would be his favorite color of the urns between the black, white, and the peach. Um and it's just little things like that. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I love that. That's amazing. Um, where do you see Welkin going from here? Like, do you ex- see yourself expanding to other products, um, other styles? I mean. I feel like it's like kind of with that in that industry, it's kind of limitless, the things that you can help people with because people need a lot of, a lot of help when they're going through that process. Yeah. So I definitely want to expand because like I said, not one size fits all. I know that like one design is not going to meet the needs of everybody. Um, and so I would really love to, you know, continue to expand on that. I think 
I have, you know, a few connections within um, the ceramic space now, and I would love to collab and make some short runs with, you know, um, very unique designers and go, go that route as well, um, just to make it more, you know, fun and unique and uh, very personal. And yeah, I think that's really what I would have planned for next. Um, yeah. So the first year that we launched, it was really just focusing on direct to consumer and, you know, making sure that our products were liked and then also working on the small size earn. And then this year it's really focusing on partnerships and connecting with other brands like you and, mm-hmm. you know, um, kind of getting the brand awareness out there that there are better options, whether that's Myron or, you know, another company's or stones or what, whatever have you. Um, as long as people know that there are more, like more creative options, I think that all boats will rise. And so I just want everybody to kind of, you know, consider that and start thinking about it in advance. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And then beyond that, uh, it would be expanding into some additional products. Yeah. Wouldn't it be amazing? I was just thinking this as you're talking, like if you could just like go to Target and be able to pick out from a like a whole row of just any style you want urns. Yeah. Like beautiful pieces made by companies like you. And it's just become a normal thing. Yeah. Like Etsy has quite a yeah. few urns. We're listed on yeah. Etsy. And it's like, I don't even think people think to look at Etsy for something, same things like that. Um, so yeah, I think it would be amazing. Like I've always I go to the farmer's market a lot in the city and it's like, oh, I shouldn't make it. I, I should have a booth at the farmer's market, but then I'm like, is that a weird because I have urns? I know. But then it's like, it shouldn't be weird because you know, it's a part of life. It's expected at some point. And um, yeah, I feel like and it, our target audience is obviously like those going through the process, but so many people have purchased our urn because they've had their loved ones remains in a box for years in a closet. Cause they never felt anything resonated with them. Like you and myself. Yeah, like me. <laughs> So like, I think that, you know, selling in the more traditional sense makes sense then, you know? Um, but yeah. So hopefully someday. Yeah. It's funny because like you're saying, like picturing yourself at the farmer's market, like why is death and dying is such a weird topic that we dance around, but really it's like, we all are going to experience it. We all are going to experience even like having to plan that process for somebody that we love. And so like, why should it be so weird? Like, why can't I go to the farmer's market? to the store to my favorite Etsy shop and purchase something like that, you know, or even better yet, the person who's going to lose their life gets to pick out what they want. Yeah. We actually um, wrote a blog about that, about how selecting an urn for yourself is a gift for you and your loved one. Cause like you get Mm -hmm. to be a part of that process and choose something that you like. And then it's also one less thing that your loved one has to do, you know, upon your departure. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's, it's such a shame that it's so taboo to talk about because I think that's also why it's so hard for people to support those that are going through this and the people who are going through it then kind of feel isolated and alone. And it's not that the people around them don't care. It's just that they don't know what to say necessarily and what to do um, because it is so taboo. Yeah, absolutely. I actually wanted to mention, I love your blog. I was taking a look at some of the posts on there and I really love that you guys are posting things about how to help for someone who's going through this to support someone who's grieving or to support someone who's going through this process. I think it's so useful. Do you ever see your company moving into more of like not only a product, but like a service realm of helping people go through this process? Like I would just love, you know, to be able for people to be able to come to our site and say, okay, like my coworkers, um, you know, father just passed away. Like, what do I say to that person? And then like, 
have those answers for them because I think, I mean, over the years, I was the first one in like my circle of friends and community to have lost someone mm-hmm. um, in our like early adult lives. And so then as that continued to happen over the course, people would say like, what should I say to this person? Like, what do I do for this person? And so I think just being that resource for everyone would be really great. And I would love to be a part of that because even just sending a text sometimes, you know, you want to do it. You just don't know how. And then you just don't do it because you don't know what to say and you don't want it to be the wrong thing to say. And I think all those things are really small actions that you can take to help people around you. And it's important that we do that and not just ignore it because it does feel taboo. Absolutely. I'd absolutely agree. It needs to be something that's more normalized. And even I can, this is something that's just like intuitively coming in for you, but I feel like I could see even you personally or people that you hire to be working one-on-one with people. They can go to your site and be like, okay, I'm starting the process. You have a coach or somebody like a one-on-one guide who's going to help them take them through the whole process of planning the memorial, picking out the perfect product, the urn, all of that. Um, There's so much room to grow here. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be it's really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. So can you just let everyone know where they can find you if they want to connect with you a little bit more about Welkin, if you have any last minute thoughts and obviously like where they can come to purchase? Yeah. Um, so you can find us at welcomememorials.com. That's also our Instagram handle as well. Um, and then you're going to put in the show notes, right? A little um, surprise for everyone so they can check yes. that out there. Yes. And yeah, so if you have any questions, feedback, or thoughts about the business, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at hello at welcomememorials.com. And yeah, I think that's it. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for coming on, Kate. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. I think it's something a little more taboo, but it was so needed. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Okay, friends, if you're like me and upon your loved one's passing received a portion of your loved one's remains for keeping and then didn't know what to do with it and immediately put it in your sock drawer, then listen up. Yep, that's right. We're talking about cremation ashes because we talk about the real stuff on this podcast. To be honest, for the last three years, I've had no idea what to do with my loved one's remains because most options on the market are outdated and let's be honest, not cute. That's until I stumbled across Welkin Memorials on Instagram. Welkin Memorial's founder, Kate Anderson, lost her own father unexpectedly at a young age and was forced to choose those outdated memorial options the industry usually provides. So she used her experience in product development to design a product that is both beautiful and functional. Guys, these urns are the most beautiful handmade in the U.S. ceramic pieces that double as a vase. They are sleek, super modern, and perfectly fit my boho home aesthetic. I ordered the small size and matte peach because I love a girly pop of color, but they also come in black, white, and glossy finishes. Grief Awakening podcast listeners get 10% off your order by using Grief Awakening Pod 10 at checkout. So go to welcomememorials.com and enter code Grief Awakening Pod 10 at checkout and get yourself a beautiful resting place for your loved one you actually want to display in your home. Okay, friends, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Grief Awakening Podcast. If you liked this episode, be sure to leave it a rating and a review, and don't forget to hit that plus sign button or the follow button so you don't miss another episode. As always, any resources mentioned during this episode will be listed in the show notes below. And if you'd like to reach out to me, feel free to do so via email or on Instagram at intuitively underscore Elise. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.